you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Fully vaccinated, back outside. Uh, and I guess still trying to dodge the Delta variant like I was made Neo in the Matrix or something like that. I don't know. Uh, another, another fun show for you today. Uh, producer Justin is alongside. But uh, as we continue our summer cavalcade of uh, guest stars, uh, I like to bring back a, an old friend. Uh, you yeah. know him. You know him from this very show. He sat in this seat. Well, not this exact seat, but, you know, metaphorically, this seat that I sit in now uh, for a long time. Uh, now he is off and he's maybe the hardest working man in fantasy show business. It is the one and only James Coe. Uh, James, always good to have you on the show, man. How are things? Oh, they're going great, man. Um, I'm like you, man. I'm just trying to avoid that Delta variant and doing my thing. But uh, but no, everything's cool, man. You know, we're just we're off and running, man. Like, I, I feel like I am knee deep in fantasy research now. And I'm not like one of those, you know, like I appreciate the psychos out there like Mike Tags. Like <laughs> he like does like rankings every week. Like, you're like right. OK, like what? Why are we doing like March rankings? Like this is craziness. But no, he's he's so hardworking, you know, and like I, I can appreciate that. But I got to be honest with you, like. I am off my hustle for like a couple months at least, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, can we at least like, like let the draft shake out? Like, you know, let, get, let me get some, some, you know, pre-camp reports into my veins <laughs> before I start like having takes, you know what I mean? So, no. so yeah, I'm all, I'm all into it now, but, um, but yeah, we're, we're getting close, dude. No, I'm fully with you on that. And like, I always, I have to sort of shake myself because like, you know, we get through the end of the season and I, I want to stop and exhale for a little bit. Uh, and then this year I thought, cause I've never done full disclosure. I've never actually done projections, right? Like I, you know, I look yeah. at stuff and I try to figure out who I think is going to be good and play well, yeah, and yeah. Happy, but I've never sat down and done projections. So this year I thought, you know what, I'm going to build a spreadsheet and I'm going to try to do oh. some projections or whatever. Right. I mean, this was like back in like March or April. And I think I just like <laughs> offhandedly mentioned it to our pal, Matt Harmon. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> What the hell am I doing? And so, like, I just was kind of like, all right, man, like, you know, crazy, I, I'll, go back to doing, I, I'll go back to doing what I do. Right. And so um, I yeah, feel I, like Mike Clay is just a, like, is he a human? he's a machine? Like, he's a machine. I don't. He's not a human, right? Like Mike Clay's an animal, dude. Like I don't understand. <laughs> he is he is crazy. a projections machine. You just you input the data and he spits out projections. I mean, that's that's kind of how it works with him. And you that's know what? Crazy. I, we say this with all love because, like, God bless all those folks, man. The, the men and women out there who are doing all this stuff. Uh, God bless <laughs> all of one, you. By the way, they're the ones doing all the heavy lifting, dude. I'm just like piggyback. I'm like, hey, Mike Clay said this, and like, I'm my, gonna say this. <laughs> my job is to take in all this information and look. And, and, that's right. not, and that's not to say that we're not doing the work, doing work on our own, but like, just take. There's so much information out there. It's just yeah, sort of like exactly. being able to take it and synthesize <laughs> it. 
uh, and then put it 100%. in a context, put it in the context that people can understand it. That's, 100%. that's how I figure 100%. my job. Uh, so speaking of which, I mean, there are a lot of things I want to talk to you about. We're going to talk about some, some, I've been talking about positional question marks. I've done, you know, wide receivers and running backs. I uh, want to talk to you about quarterbacks a little bit later on. Always like to talk draft strategy with the people I have on, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because you and I sort of had this conversation privately uh, recently, and you know, last week I talked to Brad Evans about the future of the fantasy industry and the fantasy content industry. You and I sort of had a, con- uh, a conversation about uh, folks who were trying to get in, because you and I both get a lot of questions from people about how we got into this job, how we got into this industry, and this is a question in all the years that I've known you, I don't think I've ever known the answer to this question. <laughs> How did you get started in the fantasy industry? Well, look, I've been playing fan. Uh, look, anytime you get into an industry, you have to be a fan of that industry first. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, you want to break into music. You gotta be a fan of music, right? Like, you, <laughs> you know, so like, that's kind of how it works, right? Like for me, like, I just love fantasy football. I love fantasy sports. Like I played fantasy sports starting in like 1996. I think I did like salary cap baseball or something, mm-hmm. um, on Yahoo. And, and yeah, it was like back in way back in like, you know, the, the late nineties is when I first started getting into fantasy football. Um, I wasn't any good at it. I think it was like Steve McNair or something, you know, it's like, you don't know. Um, but yeah. And then as slowly as like, you know, um, you start to get more experience, you start to get more information. Like, um, I don't know about you, but like, I remember reading like Yahoo sports closing time article, like religiously mm-hmm. chasing closers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, so just kind of sort of like having an affinity, a love for fantasy sports. And then like my professional career was just different. Like I was like, uh, you know, I had a lot of accolades and was a, a very well accomplished, um, like local news reporter person. Uh, and that's how I kind of sort of came up and like, that's how I made my bones, um, in on, on TV. So, um, so yeah, when I finally got like my opportunity to kind of get in front of a decision maker, personnel decision maker at, at, at NFL network, I, I basically told the guy, I'm like, Hey man, like I've been playing fantasy for, you know, decades, like literally. <laughs> and, but I also am really good on the TV side of things. And, um, and I think what kind of sort of made me different and kind of sort of makes me a different animal is the fact that like, I've actually taken a lot of my, uh, journalism background, which is basically you take these really complex I, uh, items and ideas, and then you melt it all down into this like really digestible 30 second, you know, one minute pieces, uh, that everyone can kind of sort of understand. And, and when you hear it, it doesn't feel heavy or esoteric. It just feels like, oh, we're just talking about it, you know? Um, and so, like, that's always kind of sort of been my objective, I guess, in this space is just to kind of educate a little bit. And then I'll obviously have a lot of fun doing it. Right. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, obviously people want to learn and get better. I always feel like, though, it's it's easier to kind of reach that level when you're also entertaining people. Like if you're having yeah. fun and if it shows that you're having fun, people are going to be, right. uh, cause this, cause this can be very numbers heavy. And I think if you're you know, always just spitting numbers at people, uh, it's easy to sort of, uh, fog over <laughs> a little Hell bit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so when you get people asking you advice for how to get in this industry or how to move up in this industry, what, what sort of things do you tell them? 
Well, you know what's you know what's funny, Marcus, is that uh, and we've talked about this before, but we're the last of a dying breed, dude. You know, like coming up like slowly, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like and like kind of sort of building ourselves up into like into into these things that we're, we're we're doing now. It's like, I don't know. People just don't do that nowadays. Right. Like it, it's like I think I think if I were to talk to a younger person, like the number one thing is make this a side hustle. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't need to be passionate about it. You could totally be passionate about it. Um, but my God, there's so many examples now, too. Uh, over the last 10 years of, of guys basically approaching anything um, as like a, a kind of a side hustle. And then that thing, that side hustle becoming their main hustle. Like the number one thing that I think of is like Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Think about what this dude is doing, right? Like he just made 300 million or whatever it was um, selling the rights to his show to Spotify. Um, the Joe Rogan experience was a completely like small operation side hustle that used to only be about MMA. And it used to only be about like the upcoming UFC um, or back then pride fights that were coming up. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was this really, really small niche thing. And then Joe kind of sort of like expanded into talking about different things and like, you know, getting like Elon Musk onto a show or whatever, (laughs) you know, and like, and then that's how it became like this thing. So it's like evolved um, past what it originally was. And I, I think like, that's probably the best way to do it. You know, it's like, you can have like your main hustle and like, let's say you're like, I don't know, you could be like a nurse, you could be like an engineer, you can be a freaking bus driver. It's all good. Like it doesn't matter. But on the side, if you're <clears throat> putting together content, you're writing stuff, you're, you're putting stuff on audio, you're putting stuff on video um, and you're doing it constantly and just a constant flow of content. Um, I think that's probably the, the best br- blueprint, I would say, um, in terms of like trying to break into this industry. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. And I think I think that's I think that's the other thing, too, is like, look, one, if you do it as a side hustle, you do have a day job that's hopefully, you know, helping you pay the bills and pay rent and yeah. put food on the table. That's part of it. Uh, the other part is, I think if you're doing it as a side hustle, you will realize pretty quickly, like how much passion you have for it. You know, like mm-hmm. if if yep. if it's a side hustle. Uh, and you are key, you keep coming back to it. That means you really do have some love for it. If this is a side hustle and, you know, you realize after a while that you're hey, only doing videos once a month <laughs> or I'm only doing a pod like every few weeks, like, you yeah. know, maybe maybe this isn't maybe the passion isn't quite there. So I do think there's there's some uh, some interesting points to it. By the way, you were talking about Elon Musk going on, on Joe Rogan. He uh, he went on that show and he went to Mars before he ever actually got in a, a <laughs> SpaceX rocket and went to the moon. So that's, that's um, all right. I, I just had to work that one in. Um, <laughs> you know, so one of the things I know you, you've talked about, you talked about on Twitter not too long ago, was you went through kind of a, a tough professional period after you left the mm. NFL. Um, you know, and you mentioned that you weren't sure what was next for you and you weren't sure if you were cut out for this. And then you landed some opportunities. Uh, most notably, you know, you, you got stuff with Amazon. You got stuff with DirecTV. And what I watched you do in the last year or two years to me has been, I mean, like I always knew we, we all worked together and, and you know, the, the group of us together knew, knew what each of the other ones could do. So I always knew, but like watching you do stuff like fantasy Bob Ross was amazing to me. Um, I mean, what, what yeah. was that process like of you kind of going from, you know, not being with the, being with the shield to kind of mm. having to remake yourself a little bit on the outside? 
Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and, and I have, and it's really interesting. Like, I don't know, like, um, it's funny you bring it up kind of from like this outside perspective, because you're right. When I was with, uh, NFL network, I didn't really, that wasn't my role. Like my role was to be more of like, you know, your traditional host, you know, and, um, kind of throw layups to people, you know, lobs to, so other people can dunk down. It was never really my job to really like shine as like a personality. Right. Um, and then once I left, uh, by the way, just so people know, like Marcus Grant got me my job at direct TV. Like that's what happened. <laughs> um, so full disclosure, like I owe this man, like, you know, my life, like it's cool. Like, um, that's why we're homies, you know? Um, and that's, what I mean, I'll just, take a couple, I'll just take a couple of pints of beer. That's fine. Like we'll call it <laughs> even. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, look, and, and direct TV is the place where they basically said, all right, let's brainstorm ideas. What do you got? Like, you know, and even they were like, well, you know, wh what are you thinking? You know? And I was like, look, I got a lot of crazy ideas. <laughs> um, and I would love to execute this. And it, it, these were ideas that, um, as you know, working where you work, it's really difficult to do outside the box type things mm -hmm. there for any number of reasons, you know, whether it's resources, whether it's producers, they just don't quite, they're not, when you're, when you're at NFL network, it, there's not really a motivation to, I guess, push the envelope, you know, because what you guys are doing is already working. Um, and so I think there is kind of sort of a resistance there. Whereas DirecTV, it's like when I got there, they were really building out and they were expanding and they wanted to have this whole like new feel to the show. And when they tasked me with just be like coming up with creative ideas, because they already had a numbers guy uh, in John Hanson, I was like, oh, 100 percent. I got you. Um and so, yeah. And so like, it started off kind of with like, you know, this whole, like, you know, Jim Comer thing, mad money, mad fantasy, <laughs> um, and just really digging into that. And then, you know, kind of like doing like movie previews and like, I don't know, like pro pro wrestling type skits and stuff, man. Like, I don't know, man. Like I have had a ton of fun, uh, over the last few seasons doing, putting it all together. And I'm really looking forward actually to this upcoming season. Cause I got a few more ideas in the pipeline, uh, that I kind of sort of want to try and execute. I don't know if it's going to work. I say this, uh, by the way, for every skit <laughs> I say this, it's like, guys, you know, guys, I just, don't, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know. But you know what? Let's just do it. And let's just see what happens. But so, yeah. And like, you know, uh, there's a couple flops every now and again, but I feel like for the most part, we've been pretty successful in, in putting all this together. But I think, you know, that's sort of the fun of being able to try new things, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're yeah. going to have some swings and misses, but man, when you run into one, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's great. Like, you know, the mad, the, the mad funny, the, the, the Comer thing, the, uh, you did like a Maury thing, right? I just remember people I running did. down a hall, people running down a hallway <laughs> screaming, you know, like, like Maury Kovich. Yeah, exactly. Like those things, 100%. like when those things hit, they're, they're amazing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like while I, I honestly miss the group we have and I miss us being together every day, like I'm I'm so happy for you to see, like to see you, uh, you know, just do so well and to flourish. So Thanks, uh, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what is coming next. So now like you have you have uh, teased it, you have whet my appetite <laughs> to see what's coming uh, this year. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit of fantasy football because I know that's kind of all what right, people cool. came for. Um. 
always asking people what their draft strategies are. And here we are. Uh, you know, the Scott Fishbowl has been drafting for a while. I think most people are at least in the middle rounds, if not the later rounds. I think I, I should probably check to see if I'm on the clock, actually. But I, uh, <laughs> I think I only got a couple of picks left. Now that there we're in go. the late rounds of these drafts, and, and especially yeah. in leagues that are so deep with people that are really on top of their games, what are you looking for when you get to the later parts of your drafts? Um, I'm especially looking for running backs that have standalone value that can also explode should an injury open the door for more opportunities. You know, um, I think about Austin Eckler before he became like this, like, you know, like awesome player, you know, it's like he's playing behind Melvin Gordon. He was going the double digit rounds, probably like rounds like 12, 13, maybe even later undrafted in most places. And I was screaming to the heavens. I'm like, yo, this guy can play and he's going to have he's going to have a role because the Chargers have shown us he's going to have a role. Uh, you know, at the time when they had Melvin Gordon, it's like they were manufacturing touches for this random kid out of Western state, Colorado, <laughs> um, who ran a, you know, who, who can run a four, three forty, like he's a running back, but then they'd motion him out and then he'd be out wide. Like they'd motion him out into the slot. They'd run, you know, I formations and run him out of the backfield. Like, um, they were finding ways to manufacture touches for this for this kid, um, and I loved what I saw. You know, the athleticism certainly, and just the 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 versatility um, in the skill set. So I think that's kind of sort of what I'm looking for in, in a running back, like some standalone value. Like, are they going to manufacture touches for the guy? Like, is he like a versatile type of player? Um, and I, I know generally that falls upon like pass catching running backs um, like Naheem Hines is a perfect example you know like mm. he is somebody that I love later in drafts because he has standalone value like people don't realize this but like you know for the last 10 games a season he averaged double digit PPR points you know what I mean like that stand that's pretty damn good standalone value um, especially if we're talking about out of the flex and then again should something happen to Jonathan Taylor I don't know. I think there is uh, an opportunity for him to kind of explode. I mean, he's a great athlete. You know, he ran a four three eight forty. The guy can obviously play in a lot of different spots on the field. So uh, he's certainly somebody that I'm looking at later in drafts too. But yeah, I mean, when you talk about like strategy overall, it's definitely standalone value with upside. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you mentioned Naheem Hines. I think he's one of those names that people are. You know, not 100% sold on. Like when you started talking about that, the first two names that popped into my head were Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard. Mm. But I also feel like those are names that everybody is sort of on. So it's <laughs> right. hard to see those guys still on the board in the later round. But a guy like Naheem Hines, and uh, I, I wanted to make that move. Somebody got to him ahead of me. So I think I ended up settling for Marlon Mack, and who knows how that's going to turn out. But right. um, But I do think there's something there because uh, especially in the late rounds when we're all kind of coveting running backs, um, you know, hundred percent. We know that that you know they are fragile and that that injuries happen and there's going to be an opportunity for somebody out there and hopefully, uh, yeah. You don't wish for injuries, but if it's going to happen, you you want to be in position to have the guy that's going to profit yeah. uh, in that situation. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, th the thing with guys like Alexander Madison and, and like and really to a large degree like Chuba Hubbard, uh, Chuba Hubbard is that like I like saying Ch now now you put Chuba in my head and that's yeah, I know Chuba. Now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I like Hubbard is just a straight handcuff. Like he needs an, He doesn't have standalone value. So for me, I, like I understand there's a lot of 
upside there. There's tons of upside. Like if Hubbard gets an opportunity, like CMC goes down, Hubbard's like immediately enters the conversation as a top 10 fantasy running back. You know what I mean? Like same thing with Alexander Madison. Like if Dalvin Cook goes down, oh, by the way, like Dalvin Cook goes down all the time. Like Mm -hmm. going back to his high school days, like he has an injury history, right? Injury history in high school, injury history in college. Last year was kind of like this unicorn season where he didn't get injured. Mm -hmm. Um, And he played, I don't know how many games it was, like 14 or 15 games. And it's like, I don't know, man, like I I will go back to the well on Alexander Madison because I just feel like, you know, and again, but the only problem with Madison, man, is like his value right now, his ADP is pretty high, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have to spend a 10th round pick um, and in some cases a ninth round pick to get Madison. That's that is awfully high for a player where you're like, I need an injury for this pick to pan out. So mm-hmm. I don't know that that's, that's a tough ask for me. Um, and again, it's slightly different. Like I said, than than guys like, uh, like you mentioned, Tony Pollard, like I think Pollard has standalone value. Like mm-hmm. he's going to get some work in the passing game. I think, um, I think they want to try to preserve a little bit of Zeke too, uh, as the season goes on. So, um, and then if Zeke goes down, oh my God, Pollard's gonna you know explode or whatever. So, but yeah, uh, I think Daryl. By the way, Daryl Henderson is somebody else. Not your. By the way, not your traditional late round running back because, mm. quite frankly, he if given the opportunity, he can be an every down three down back. You know, and for some reason, I don't get it. Like no Malcolm Brown. Um, I got this. I I actually looked this up. Right, like Daryl Henderson. He's going outside the top 125 right now. He mm-hmm. averaged 4.5 yards per carry. In the 10 games where Cam Akers got more than 10 offensive snaps, okay? Akers averaged 14 carries per game. But then Henderson and Malcolm Brown combined to average 11.2 carries per game. So like a 60, like a very clear 60-40 split, right? Mm-hmm. But Malcolm Brown's gone, right? So like, I, like where do you think those touches are going? It, it's going to Henderson, right? So I see, I easily see a world where Henderson gets like 10 to 15 touches per game. Um, now that Malcolm Brown is gone. And again, if Cam Akers gets hurt, forget about it. Like Henderson is like automatically catapults, not only into like top five, we're talking like top six or seven fantasy running backs, you know? So um, I, I'm very interested in, in Daryl. He's probably my favorite. Honestly, he's probably my favorite late round running back to target. Which is funny because that's how I felt about him last year. Like I felt mm-hmm. like he was sort of that that intersection. He was to me, I was kind of referring to him. He was that mid-shelf bourbon, right? That is sort of like the intersection of like price and quality. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was sort of that guy. And you know, and it's and it's funny that I haven't gone back to the well, no pun intended, I haven't gone back to the well. <laughs> Uh, again this year, which it makes more sense, right? That now that, as you mentioned, Malcolm Brown is out of the picture and it is essentially a two-man backfield, it would it would make a lot more sense. Um, you talked a little bit about, you know, guys going, you know, 10th round, Alexander Madison and where he is going right now. Um, had Bob Harris on a few weeks ago. Love talking to Bob. And every time I talk to Bob, he always just, he always hits me with these like short phrases that stick with me. Like, you know, uh, before, a couple years ago, it was don't draft last year's best team. The last time I talked to him, he hit me with "to hell with ADP," right? And and it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a it's a sentiment I have felt for a while, but I had never mm-hmm. been able to put it into words the way he did. So thanks, Bob. Um, <laughs> but it did make me wonder: like, is the idea of ADP outdated? I know we all use it to some extent. Is it outdated? And if so, what what should we use to replace it? Um, 
It's really tough, right? Because like, I think the concept of ADP is probably pretty outdated. Um, that being said, it's like, I don't know, like fantasy football is all about value, you know, like mm-hmm. where are you getting value? Right. So like, um, like I had to explain to somebody who this is many moons ago, but like, you know, they want to take a quarterback in the first round because quarterbacks score the most score points, the most but it's points. like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But it, it's like, no, because like relative value. Um, and so, and then like, and then that actually trickles down into ADP too. Right. Like, um, so basically it's just kind of like, well, okay. Like maybe I love Daryl Henderson. Right. But like, I'm not going to take Daryl Henderson in the fifth round, no matter how much I love him. Right. So it's all about like relative value. So in a way we kind of sort of need ADP, um, to be able to kind of sort of talk about these players. Um, so, and again, I don't know if it's outdated. Um, but I will say this 90, 95% of drafts, maybe more, um, they're going to use the provider rankings. Right. <laughs> right. And so like, that's going to differ greatly than like consensus ADP, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or it can at least, especially when you get outside like the top, like 75, you know, prospects, mm-hmm. right? Like once you get outside the top, like 70 picks, like ADP just starts going all over the place, which <laughs> I think kind of speaks to what you guys are talking about, which is just kind of like after the first 75 picks, ADP kind of is pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of sort of like ignore that just because you're not a hundred percent. I, th- this is what ADP is used for. ADP is used to kind of like figure out what your league mates are going to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Not necessarily what you're going to do, but how you're going to play your hand versus what the, your league mates are going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of sort of like this general idea of what ADP is. Um, but once you get outside of the top 75 picks, you just have no freaking idea whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I think I and I think that speaks to what you guys are talking about, which is just like to hell with ADP. But I would say to hell with ADP outside of the top 75 (laughs) (laughs) i think that's fair no i think i think that's fair i think you know i just part of it is at some point it sort of becomes like a a self-fulfilling prophecy right like if if you think a guy if you look at a guy's adp uh and you try to draft them earlier then that pushes it up if you draft them late it's just it's so weird and i know we all kind of use it as a guy you know it's like as I'm, i'm just spitballing here right but it's sort of like preseason rankings in college football right like it just sort of it sort of sets a tone that isn't necessarily what is going to play out across the season but you know tv networks need it because hey we want to say that we have number one alabama against number three ohio state or whatever it is right like it it sells it it sells advertising uh and i feel like adp is is sort of the same thing you know you know what else adp is good for though it's like a really good shorthand method to tell like somebody who's not like super deep into fantasy football like how good a player is mm-hmm. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if you tell people like oh travis kelsey's like got like a top 15 adp top 10 adp you're like oh wow he's really really good right um and it's kind of like shorthand to kind of like <clears throat> let people know um we're expect what we're expecting from from certain players you know so like cam Akers right now i think has an adp in the top 15 right like so people Mm -hmm. are really expecting um a big season from cam Akers. which by the way if you ask a casual fan who's not a rams fan like that i think that would actually surprise them significantly you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we've heard of Alvin Kamara, Zeke, and all these guys, but like, I think the casual fan is like not really doesn't know who the hell Cam Akers is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, I think that's like a really good shorthand way for somebody who maybe hasn't kept up with the game that closely. And let's be real. Like that's like, I don't know, like 90% of fantasy fans anyways is like, they don't keep up with the NFL outside of like their favorite team and their fantasy team. Right. So if you didn't have cam Akers last year or you didn't go against cam Akers on like a buzzsaw game, like (laughs) you're just kind of like, who is cam Akers is just a guy to me. That's the guy. Yeah. 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 And I do think it's I do think it's important to remember because we are like, you know, eyeball deep in this that you're right. Most people do take off from, you know, once once the fantasy season ends in like December, uh, most people kind of put this away until July or August. So that's worth remembering. Um, You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This year in Scott Fishbowl, there's a little bit of a twist with the kicker option that you can flex a kicker. Have you embraced this? Are you are you oh my God. are you jumping in on this? No, no. Full disclosure, dude. Um, I'm not in SFB because... oh. I have so many other things going on and I, I, I feel terrible about it because it's such a great cause and like what mm-hmm. Scott Fish is doing is like amazing and I will always give him platform. I'll I'll like retweet a lot of his stuff, like mm-hmm. Fantasy Cares, like, oh my gosh, like what an unbelievable organization and like I can't believe what they're doing. I can't believe Scott Fish is doing what he's doing, honestly. Right. Um but I, just for me personally, I I've I felt bad because like I know that if I'm in uh, I've done Scott fish in the past and like, I'm always terrible because <laughs> I never ever check my fantasy league. Like that, that website, like I just, uh-huh. I just never go there. Um, so by the time I remember, Oh, go to S like go to my fantasy league, go to MFL. It's like, Oh yeah. Like it's like Thursday. you know what i'm saying like i've missed waivers like i've missed the free agency run like i just i'm done you know so i just felt bad like i don't want to like just show up draft and then peace out you know so what i what i have done to sort of avoid that is that every year uh i take all the different leagues i have and i create a folder a bookmark folder uh like on my browser uh, they just hit that. I, I open the folder and it has all the leagues. So I can just go one down and like boom, I can boom, boom, waivers. Boom, boom. Yeah. I can set lineups because otherwise, like I've had that where I like I forget about a league. And I'm like, oh no, and it's like week three, and I'm like, you know, one and two, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, crap, you know, like somebody's hurt, exactly. and I totally forgot about it, like yep, all that. Yep, like, exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. So then I'll, I'll sort of shift the question. Then, how do you feel about kickers? I know that there's the you know band kicker movement. Are you do you fall strongly one way or another about it? I've, I'm so strongly pro kicker. Like yes. it's not even funny. Thank you. You know, it's like, it's so dumb. Like this whole, like, and I get it. Like, th- look, do respect, like all due respect to Jake Seeley. Okay. Like, that's fine. You know, but like, like saying it's random is like, is the most ridiculous thing. Like fantasy football is random, bro. <laughs> like how many guys that are undrafted, by the way, like how many eyeballs look at fantasy football? How many how many smart ass people are analyzing this game day in and day out? We just got done talking about like guys like Mike Clay or whatever. Like there are so many eyeballs, Mike Taglieri, like just like scouring rosters. And no matter what, there's always every single year 
a handful of just rando guys that are not drafted at all that make huge impacts in fantasy. And it happens every year, guys. Like, so you can't tell me that like, that's not random. It is random. And, or you could make the arguments like, oh, well, we just haven't dug deep enough. And like, I subscribe to that and that's fine. But it's like, come on, you know, we're talking about like a pool of like 350 to like 400 players. We still haven't uncovered a handful of dudes. Like, (laughs) what? And I think kickers are a lot like this, you know, Mm. if you could analyze. And by the way, I'm not going to do it because I don't care enough. (laughs) But if you could analyze like like defensive metrics, you know, pass run rates, O-line blocking and like melt that all down into like like touchdown probability rates which I'm I am positive you could do. Mm-hmm. I'm positive you can melt all this stuff down into like touchdown probability rates. I'm positive. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean for God's sakes, MG, like we're talking about like expected points on a second down run on, in the first quarter. Like get <laughs> out of here. You like that's what I don't understand. People <laughs> believe in EPA and like talk about EPA like it's freaking god. Mm-hmm. But they will not but they're telling me that kickers are random. Get all the way the hell out of here, dude. Like it's not. Like, we just haven't spent the time thinking about it. That's all. Um so no, I don't but I don't buy into that at all. And like by the way, I embrace the chaos. Like I love the madness. Like right. if J- if Jason Sanders is knocking down seven field goals and I lose and mm-hmm. or I win, it's all good, bro. Like I'm, I'm all about it. Like I don't know. I don't get the whole anti-kicker movement. I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you because one, I, I think I agree sort of with everything you say. One, I think if we really, if somebody really put their mind to it and wanted to go and dive deep and analyze it, I'm sure we could find some sort of pattern, yes, some sort of method 100%. to this. Uh, I mean, I know our old pal, our old coworker, Elliot Harrison, was <laughs> you know at some point, uh, you know, and Elliot always had a million different projects that he was working oh, on. But God. like one of the things he was like, maybe we can figure out how to make kickers work. Um, nah. you know, no uh, but the other part of it is I do embrace the randomness. I think we need more of it. I think we are, I think we are trending toward, and you know, people who listen to the show have probably heard me say this rant multiple times, but I think we're trending toward basically people who win at fantasy are the ones who are best at scouting running backs and wide receivers. Like that's it. And that's not fun. Like I, <laughs> I, I want people like, you know, so I, yeah. I, 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 I'll never forget, um, Geez, I don't know. This might have been 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. I remember leaving a buddy's house on a Sunday afternoon, having a pretty good sized lead in my fantasy matchup. And I remember walking out uh-huh. of his door and saying, dude, the only way I lose is if Rob Baronis kicks like eight field goals. And I think he kicked like seven that night, right? <laughs> like it was Sunday night football. I think he kicked like seven I field goals. Like it. after the fifth one, I'm getting text messages like, hey, man, you nervous yet? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I kind of am. Um, you know, and I hung on and won. But it's a story to tell. It was fun. It added something to the game. Uh, so I'm definitely all about all about that kicker love. I mean, and here's the thing. Like, where does it end? Like, okay, outside of like Darren Waller, you know, Kelsey and and, right. and, and, and Kittle, it's like, okay, tell me a tight end that's not going to produce, that's going to be, that's not random. But people are starting to trend that direction too. Like talking about, so, you know, do we get rid of tight ends or do we have to get like rid of merge tight ends? them into flexes? I mean, I've, I've heard that. I've ridiculous. heard that suggestion, right? Like, I, you know, I, I mean, like <laughs> the, the thing that makes it so like irritating for me is like, okay, so you want to simplify the game. Okay. Then let's just, let, let, let's just do quarterbacks only. Let, let's, <laughs> let, 
Well, like, where does it end? Like, <laughs> right. I, I don't understand. You know, it's like, okay, let's just, let's just do that. Because like, honestly, it's, it's, it's probably the easiest to project like quarterbacks. Like we can, we, we know what teams defenses are trash that. So we know what teams <laughs> need to pass to keep up and like all those things. Like, I bet you, if you looked at quarterback rankings, I bet you they are scarily accurate. Probably. I bet you they mm. are terrifyingly accurate. And if that's the only thing we care about is accuracy and like getting it right, then let's just do that. Like that doesn't sound fun at all. It <laughs> right. sounds awful. Right. Right. So like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, like, where does it end? You know, like, I, I don't know. And I mean, I guess you could like, I'm arguing against myself and you'd be like, oh, well, you should play IDP leagues then. It's like, all right, well, I, just, you know, <laughs> fine. I mean, let, I, let me just draw a line in the sand somewhere, you know, and just say, okay, what, whatever, you know, but I don't know, man. Like, I don't understand the whole anti-kicker thing, man. Like, there clearly are good kickers in the NFL. Yeah. You know? We'll like, tell me Young Way Koo's not a good kicker. Tell me we'll Jason get, Sanders not a good kicker. Justin like, Tucker is still getting it done, you know? Like, Justin <laughs> Tucker's a good-ass player. Like, <laughs> right? like he's Don't tell me done. he's not. Like, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous, you know? It's like, and somebody, I, I remember some, reading somebody, somebody say, like, oh, Justin Kicker's clearly the best kicker in the NFL, but he's only, like, the kicker five. Well, Jesus Christ, guys. Like, <laughs> I, I hate to break it to you, man, but like the best player is not always the top scoring fantasy option every year. Like, right. sorry, like it doesn't happen, you know? <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. I, I feel better, though, knowing that I have somebody else uh, in my corner on this kicker thing. Um, it's, so, I, it's so crazy. So you mentioned quarterbacks, which leads yeah. us nicely into our some, some quarterbacks that I have questions about that I want to get your thoughts on. Four guys here. The first one, Aaron Rodgers. Simple question. Will he or won't he? And you and I talked about this on Tackling Dummies last week or two <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, just so for a new audience, what what are your thoughts? What, what do you think happens with Aaron Rodgers this year? I, I would love to see him actually not come back to the Packers and like it's nothing against the Packers like I'm not Adam Rank like I don't like <laughs> I don't hate Green Bay like you know he's got this whole rant where he's like Green Bay people don't even say they're from Green Bay they say they're from Chicago and it's like nah dog I don't put a good Adam Rank by the way you know? it's like, yeah it's like all right bro like just just calm down <laughs> anyways no so I'm not saying I'm, I'm I'm not ranking it here I'm just saying like um what Green Bay has done, you know, over the last few seasons, and it's ridiculous, you know? It's like, they're basically like, all right, Aaron, just go and win games, you know? It's like, it's absurd to me, you know? Um, and it's like, and, and Green Bay fans are sitting there all mad, like saying like, well, we had, a, we had the number one scoring offense. We had the number one offense uh, in the entire NFL. I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, now take Aaron Rodgers off of that team. Where's your <laughs> offense? Are you a top 10 offense? No. No. You, I, you're not even a, in the top half in my in my mind. You stick mm -hmm. any other quarterback in there, like you stick Andy Dalton in that offense. Mm -hmm. They're one of the five worst offenses in the NFL. Now, you know what that tells you? That tells you that they have done absolutely jack squat to surround Aaron Rodgers with good players, like Aaron Jones, good player. But they keep uh, the funny thing about that is like they want to find ways to not give him touches, right? <laughs> right. So no. No, screw that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Like and like I've been I've been talking about like I think Matt Lafleur is 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 not a good offensive coach. That's mm -hmm. like there's a lot of numbers that would say suggest that. Um, and everyone's like throwing it in my face. Oh, look at Green Bay's offense is doing a You know what? Go to that playoff game and tell me 
tell me Matt LaFleur is a good coach. Tell me Matt LaFleur kicking a field goal down eight <laughs> with two minutes to go. Tom Brady on the other side. Tell me he's a good coach. Like, no, stop it. Okay, he's not. Um, and, and like, and again, like in the first round, like I'm just thinking like, okay, they had an opportunity to get Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. How do you not do that? Like, I'm just, it, it like, it like makes me just upset. I'm not even like a huge Green Bay guy. Like, it mm-hmm. just makes me upset though. Like, they clearly need a slot wide receiver. Elijah Moore's that dude. He's a bad man. Mm-hmm. And like, can you imagine football Twitter would have lost their collective minds if Elijah Moore landed on Green Bay? And plus, it's a good olive branch to Aaron Rodgers. Like, hey, man, like, I get it. We have other needs. We have quarterback cornerback concerns. But you know what, man? Like, you're the franchise. We're going to surround you with talent. And we're just going to go off and running. It's a lot like what... It's a lot like what Kansas City has done with Patrick Mahomes, which is, or Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. It's like, hey, man, like you are the franchise and we need to surround you with all these great pieces and we will make it work everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not Green Bay style for whatever reason. They just like keep trying to do like these patchwork jobs on defense. It's not working. They don't have the right coaches, um, and they're just asking Rodgers to go out and win games. So, no, I hope he I hope he moves on. I'd love to see him in Denver. That'd be amazing. That'd be great. Um, you know, there's a lot of places. I, I'd Like, Aaron Rodgers in Miami right now, mm. boy, Aaron Rodgers in Miami right now, dude, like, that's a championship team, like, done. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's over. Like, Rodgers in Miami, it's over. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you've got Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller out there just, just wrecking shop. Like, forget it. Brian Flores running the defense. Rodgers running the offense. Their defense is great. They've got two great cornerbacks. Like, forget it. Like, it's it's a championship team, period. Um, so, no, I, I hope he gets out of Green Bay. I hope he, like, figures out some kind of way. By the, you know, and again, I know we talked about this on 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 my show, Tackley Devis, but like, like he needs to do the Jalen Ramsey, Doug. Like he needs to be like, yo, my, my back, my back. I, I don't know oh. what it is, my my mm. back, mm. my back is hurting, guys. I'm gonna sit this one out, you know. Uh, and then like, and then he gets traded to Denver or whatever, and like all something. magically just. Man, my back be feeling yeah. nice. You know, like, here we go. That elevation helps the back. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so far above sea level now. The back's going to be better. Feeling good. You know, yeah. like that's what he needs. He needs to pull the Jalen Ramsey, dude. Like soft tissue in, injuries, you know, like just and just get it going. Don't hold out. Hold in. Like show up. That, you know, you know? <laughs> exactly. Get that check. Cash Man. that check, baby. Cash that check. I just, I just know looking at him on social media, he looks completely unbothered right now. Like he just doesn't oh, seem like he's in a hurry. He's not in a hurry to get back to Green he's, Bay. I mean, for God's sake, he's not even cutting his hair. Like, no, just letting it go. Aaron, we're not even go. in quarantine now. Like you can go you get, get your haircut. You get a haircut. You know? Go do but, it. But you know why he doesn't? He don't care. Does not he care. Doesn't care. Mm-mm. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Uh, all right, next next is what Carson Wentz, who last year I was all on the Carson Wentz is going to bounce back. You know, the Wentz wagon will roll again. Uh, not so much. 
But now he's in Indianapolis. He's back with his old coach, Frank Reich. Can Frank Reich resurrect the Wentz wagon? Uh, I hate to say anything can happen, but I mean, I guess anything can happen. <laughs> That's not I'm encouraging. Not, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. I mean, listen, 12 games last year, okay? Um, and you could talk about his pass catchers or whatever, okay? But the bottom line is he was terrible, you know? 12 games, he had 21 touchdowns, 19 turnovers. Um, That's just that's so bad um and not only that like he was like if you were to like take his like per game averages he was like on pace to throw for just 3,500 yards Mm -hmm. like on a full 16 game slate 3,500 yards like what like and like it's like they had like a great defense like they had to win some shootout games he just stunk um so like that's what was bad, you know. I've, I, you know, obviously I do a lot of work with next gen stats, um, and I, and so like I was like, you know, looking at some quarterbacks and stuff, and like it just Carson Wentz just kept popping up, you know, and it's like he had the worst passer rating against the Blitz. He had the worst rating when throwing to to wide receivers. He had eight touchdowns and ten interceptions when throwing to wide receivers. That's not good. Um, he had the sixth worst passer rating on deep passes last year. He had a worse passer rating on deep passes last year, Marcus Grant, than Gardner Minshew. Like. That's really bad. And and here's the one thing that I think that everyone saw but couldn't quite articulate. But I think Next Gen Stats did a really good job with this. Mm-hmm. He had the second worst. No, no. He had the worst passer rating when not facing pressure. So when he was not under pressure, so relatively clean pocket. Mm-hmm. worst passer rating in the NFL. And again, I think we kind of sort of saw that. Like mm-hmm. he was better on the move. He actually made some plays under pressure every now and again when he could get outside of his own head. But when he had a clean pocket and he just had to read defenses, he was the worst quarterback by passer rating in the entire NFL. That is shockingly bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So can Frank Reich turn that around? More than Frank Wright, can a sports psychologist turn this around? Right. Because I think a lot of the problems to me um, were were upstairs. I don't think it was physical. Um, I just think it's not like Cam Newton who has like physical issues. Like for me, I think it was all upstairs. Um, And I I, I, that's just a big question mark, man. I, I just don't know. So uh, producer Justin hit me with some stats that he saw via Warren Sharp, uh, who does a lot of great work that it was a comparison of Carson Wentz with Frank Reich for the couple of seasons and then the three seasons since that he has not had Frank Reich. And the numbers are shockingly similar, like across the board. <laughs> and I have really been basing this on like, hey, look, some of his best years came with Reich. He's back together yeah. with him. This is where it happens. He's got a great offensive line there in Indianapolis. Uh, and then seeing the fact that when they were together, um, it wasn't much better or worse. It was about the same as what we've seen these last few seasons when we started to write him off. And so now I'm rethinking my stance here, uh, presented with new information. <sighs> I mean, honestly, Marcus, <laughs> it, it's kind of sort of just like, I, I mean, I'm really trying to struggle with like, like, was he ever like, I don't, I don't think he was ever great. Like, I think, I think we go back to he that had season one he was, good season, the season one. where he was an, an MVP candidate before he got before hurt. He, yeah. And then right, when Nick exactly. Foles leads the Nick Foles leads them to a Super Bowl championship. And I think we sort of are kind of holding on to that. And maybe it is, maybe it is wish casting, but maybe that was his lightning in a bottle season. Uh, and we just didn't know it. And, and it's just not coming back. The, the thing I'll say about it is at least 
you know, if you're if you're going after him, you're not spending any draft capital to do it. No, you know, like that's yeah, that's no. the upside there is that there's right. there's way more potential reward than there is risk you're putting out and trying right. to get Carson Wentz. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like even in his best year, his second year in in, in the NFL, um, he just he wasn't really that efficient. I mean, still just like a sixty percent pass or sixty percent completion rate. He was still only on pace. He just had unbelievable touchdowns. Like mm-hmm. he was on pace to 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 shoot for forty one touchdowns. Um, and and who knows how many more he would have got on the ground, but like. Man, like, okay, so, like, let's say he, like, if he played all 16 games, like, he would have had, like, I don't know, like, 45 touchdowns or something. But even then, it wasn't like he would have still only barely cracked 4,000 yards. Like, so his yardage wasn't there. His accuracy wasn't there. The only thing that we remembered was was him just firing off touchdowns at an incredibly (laughs) high rate. And that's about it. So, like, I would contend. I don't think he's ever really had a great season, honestly. I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I think I think maybe I'm just wanting him to be more than what I, what he actually has been, which wouldn't be the first time I've done something like that. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Cam Newton. Um, is he actually cooked, or or can he bounce back this year? Nah, he's done, man. Like <sighs> I don't know. Like his, I don't think his arm comes back. Like, mm-hmm. um, and 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 again, like. I think if you take away his game against Seattle that he had week two, and remember in that time, like Seattle was in the midst of having like a historically bad season. Historically bad. Yeah. Yeah, Like they were giving (laughs) up like 500 yards a game or something like college type numbers, you know? Um, So I think if you take that game away, um, Cam Newton averaged just 161 passing yards per game. Um, He had the ninth worst passer rating, on deep passes, he had the fourth worst passer rating um, under pressure. He had the fourth worst passer rating throwing to wide receivers, third worst against the blitz. So, and again, those are all numbers without the Seattle game. So he was by any metric a bottom ten uh, quarterback passing the ball, and I know that's not totally fair because he had a, a bunch of production on the ground. But I will say this: as a passer. <laughs> unfortunately he is uh when you look at like when you look at the numbers uh when you look at the numbers he actually was ex- he was basically nick mullins throwing the ball Oof. um and like you look at, like similar air yards per attempt touchdown to interception ratio passer rating completion percentage any number you really want to look at like he's basically nick mullins um, as quarterback last year, how much um, of that can now you again, put on his receivers though? Too like he, yeah, he had no one there. There is some of that there, although I would contend like okay, like you know, um, we're basically writing off Nikhil Harry as trash, which I don't know if that's fair. Like who's right. throwing him the damn ball? Right. Um, that's one. I thought Jacoby Myers looked good at times too, mm. um, and it's still, you know, Julian Edelman played, was in and out of the lineup, obviously, but he was still in the mix some of these games too, so I don't think he just ever looked good, and and quite honestly, I think it's his shoulder. Like, ever mm. since he, you know, took that took that injury, I, I just think he just hasn't been the same guy, and, and quite frankly, I don't think, like, the rigors of the NFL, um, I don't think that shoulder gets better, you know? Right. Um, I mean, he can do what he, what he can to like rehab it. And like, maybe he'll look fresh for five or six games, but ultimately at some point, like Cam Newton to be Cam Newton needs to run the ball. And if he, and if he's running the ball, he's going to take hits and that mm-hmm. exposes that shoulder to more problems. 
Um, and I just think his days like as a starter are probably done. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know. He gave us a good run, but I, I just hated how he looked throwing the ball last year. So you think Mac Jones wins that job? I think at some point he does. Yeah. yeah you know, I mean, New England spent heavy draft capital on Mac Jones for whatever reason. I don't really understand it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like we were trying to find reasons to like Mac Jones, you know, last year. Um, like going to the whole draft process, like, oh, look what he did with Alabama. It's like, oh, look what he did with Alabama with like uh, two first round talents at wide, like wide receiver, uh, you multiple guys on the offensive line. Like what? what I'm sorry. Like a top, a top two or three running back from the draft class, like top yeah. two or three running back, like maybe the best running back in the class. Like, um, I, dude, I don't know. Like, I'm sorry, but I wasn't terribly impressed with like what he was doing. Now, to be fair, I said the exact same damn thing about Tua. Like, I wasn't, I didn't <laughs> I know, like, I, I know you're not what impressed. I saw from Tua. I know you're still not in love with Tua. I know you're No, you know, I feel like I think Tua's okay. not it. Like, he's not the guy. Like, Tua's definitely not the answer for me, anyways. Like, so no, I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what Mac is going to bring. I, I mean, um, I don't know. You know, I, feel I, like I, I thought he had, yeah, go ahead. I feel, well, so I feel, I feel like the, the thing with Mac Jones was, I think, I think the, the argument against Mac Jones came with the idea of Mac Jones going at number three overall. Like, I think the idea of Mac Jones going at 15, everybody's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But like this whole smoke screen and look, credit Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch for just slow playing it the way they did. Everybody's like, they're moving up to get (laughs) Mac Jones. And like Shanahan's like, well, I'm not going to correct you. Like, that's fine. Like, um, you know, and I look, I say this as somebody who grew up as a 49er fan, still has friends who are 49er fans. I had a text chain where my friends were going through these seven stages of grief and trying to talk themselves into Mac Jones for the course of several (laughs) weeks leading up to, I mean, literally by the time we got to draft day, they had reached acceptance and they were like, all right, well, this is going to be Mac Jones. Like, this is what we're going to do. Like, let's just go to it. Like, you know, and I think, but I think if, if the whole conversation from, you know, February on had been, Mac Jones is going to go 15. I think people would have been like, yeah, all right. But I think, you know, we people tried to talk themselves into believing Mac Jones could be worth the number three overall pick. Uh, and I think that's sort of where the issue came. But that's, I guess that's my point, though. Even like talking yourself into like him being an okay value at 15 seemed like a stretch to me, you know? Like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm sorry, man. But like, I look at Mac Jones and I'm like, this is a jag. Like, this is the guy, <laughs> this is the guy who has a 10 year career as a backup quarterback. Tall mm-hmm. white guy oh, from a big name school? Cool. Like, you're the backup. Like, it's mm-hmm. all good, you know? Somewhere like, Matt Barkley's ears are burning. <laughs> I see no I don't see upside with Matt I don't know like obviously obviously you know there are people who um do this for a living full time and, and disagree but I don't know man like I just felt like we were really trying to like justify the value not only at like three but then like all of a sudden justifying the value even at 15 like I'm like bro this guy has all the makings of a backup quarterback like I don't know what the hell we're talking about here so <laughs> Um, you know, even like, you know, Dan Orlovsky or whatever, pulling up like all these like highlights or whatever. And it's like, he's throwing a wide open dudes, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like with a clean pocket, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, those, those are nice throws. Like definitely in the bucket throws, like cool. But like, I don't know, like show me clips where he's under pressure or, or the guys like in a tight window situation. Like I saw a shockingly low number of those because you know why there was a shockingly low number of plays that had to be made. 
you know like he's throwing to like Jalen Waddle and like Devontae Smith like five yards of separation like okay dude like I'm sorry like it's not tough you know like I don't know whatever anyways I don't know how I got down this rabbit hole uh, you know it happens it's all right uh, all right last one here I I I didn't pick a name. I just said the Saints, right? Because their quarterback situation <laughs> is just sort of like, who knows? And yeah. I contend, look, most NFL coaches don't really care one way or another about fantasy football. They don't pay attention no. to any of us. There are a couple that I do think actively troll us, and the king of them is Sean Payton. And I feel like <laughs> we are doomed to be trolled by Sean Payton in this Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill conundrum that's going to happen. I don't know if you feel differently, but I just feel like, you know, this is not going to end well for any of us who play the fantasy game. The first thing that he should do, Sean Payton, is go and bring on Steve Spurrier as like an offensive consultant just to <laughs> complete the troll job. You know, he would hire Steve Spurrier and everyone would collectively freak out like, oh, my God, he's definitely going to quarterback. System. They're definitely going to quarterback system now. They got the old ball coach in there. They're, that's what they're going to do. Like, that's what Sean Payton should do. Like and like, just give him like minimal money too. like it's all good. You know, like whatever, 250 grand or whatever. You, it's still, like what's the old ball coach do? And he'd take that in a heartbeat, you know, um, but yeah, that's what he totally should do. But now I agree with you. I, I think I actually think um that this will be a a two quarterback system um i really i actually truly honestly believe that mm -hmm. um and the reason i say that is um and it might not be like you know it might not be like oh james is going to get one series and then Taysom's going to get one series it might actually be worse it might actually be james is our guy between the 20s mm -hmm. and in the red zone we're going Taysom. yep um and, and the reason I say that is because when I kind of looked at like a lot of the next gen stats for Jameis Winston over his career, he is absolutely one of the absolute worst quarterbacks when throwing in breaking routes. So we're talking about like primarily slants, um, but hitches too. He's one of the, by the way, he's one of the worst quarterbacks of all time throwing to hitches for whatever reason, like he can't help but throw <laughs> interceptions. Um, but he got LASIK, James. He can see now. I know we got the LASIK going. But no, <laughs> I, I just think I, I, for me, I think the number one thing with Jameis is that he is a see it and throw it uh, quarterback. He is not a timing based guy. That's never been his MO. That's not what he did at Florida State. And I think in Tampa, that's not what he did. Um, I think he needs to see it and then he needs to fire it. So, but timing routes are different. Um, and that's what slants are. Slants are hundred percent timing routes. Hitches. Oh my God. Hitches are a hundred percent timing route, like five steps and come back or 10 steps and come back. Like you have to, that ball's got to be out of your hands before the receivers even making his break. Mm -hmm. But that's not what Jameis does. Um, but, but unfortunately the reason I bring that up is dude, that is a lot of what this offense is, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of in breaking routes. Like I know we make fun of Michael Thomas or whatever. Slant but, boy. Yeah slant boy you know but it's like hey listen it works it you know works. like it works and uh they use a lot of that to then set up play action then they use a lot of that to like you know uh bring down dbs to get favorable matchups on the outside deep and like you know they've played it beautifully um unfortunately they don't have drew Brees masking they don't have a hall of fame first ballot hall of fame quarterback masking a lot of their offensive deficiencies okay um but when Taysom Hill gets to within the 20, like, I don't know about you, but like, I love what I saw. Like he becomes this like, like very versatile weapon. Um, and by the way, he's also much more 
uh, efficient at throwing these timing routes. Um, I think where he struggles is kind of throwing outside the numbers, which is why between the 20s it makes sense to have Jameis. And I think inside the red zone, give that ball to Taysom Hill. But for fantasy purposes, I really honestly don't think you can draft either one. I don't think either one is draftable. I have been drafting in a couple spots. I've drafted Taysom Hill late just because I I totally believe the scenario you put forward. I think that's what's going to happen. And I think at least with Taysom Hill, there is that upside of him possibly running one in from five yards out, you know, that that they use him sort of in that wildcat and and he, he you know, out of the shotgun, he'll just run one in, Um, which side note, it's also what I have fear that Urban Meyer is going to do with Tim Tebow down in Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, so like everybody who's drafting Travis Etienne or James Robinson, you're going to get your heart broken when it's Tim Tebow running the wildcat from the three and like gobbling up some of those touchdowns. <laughs> can I can I throw a, a fantasy total nerd fantasy question out to you? Sure. If before the season, for whatever reason, the Saints and Sean Payton said – Taysom Hill is actually a a backup running back, and they gave him running back designation, which means (laughs) that in fantasy football, he could be played as a running back. Uh Uh-huh. If he got that designation and you had not done your draft, how high does Taysom Hill go? Is he, and I'm a hot take guy, but I would say... He is legit a top 10 pick in fantasy. I mean, you might not because, be wrong. I, I, because I the do it. upside, I do it. can you imagine? Because you get the potential upside as a quarterback. Right. Because you're still going to get those yards. Mm-hmm. Like passing yards. Like if your running back throws a touchdown, you still get those you points, still get dude. That. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, could you imagine him getting that designation? Like, how, I'm just trying to like, Galaxy brain this thing like how high does Taysom Hill go? He's got to go super high, right? He goes high. I don't th- I couldn't say top 10 just because I feel like if they if that's what they were going to do that he's drafting him in the top 10 means you're drafting him at his absolute ceiling and I don't know that he's going to get enough opportunity in either one at either quarterback or running back to hit that ceiling, but yeah, yeah. I would say that I would say you would draft him as top 15 running back. Right? No way he goes outside the top two rounds, right? Like he's definitely in the top twenty picks. Definitely. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> that would be oh. God, I'm hoping for it. Now like, give me the now, give now, me the now, carnage. Now I'm, now I'm nervous that you put this in the universe because Sean Payton, you know, somebody might somebody might pass this along and Sean's gonna be like, dude, hmm, this is an idea. Maybe I'll do this. Yeah. Because again, you know what? It would it would completely mess with defensive coordinators too. By the way, like mm-hmm. like real life. Like I know Sean doesn't care at all about fantasy, but like in real life, like it could actually have an impact. You know, yeah. like like screw it. Like they didn't draft anybody of of note. You know, like they need more offensive weapons. Like to me, it actually makes more sense to just say Jameis is our quarterback. Taysom is going to be like our tight end. Oh, by the way, if they gave him tight end designation, forget it. Like, oh my God, he's definitely going, (laughs) he's definitely going top 12, right? But like, imagine like Taysom Hill as like one of your two tight ends with Troutman. You've got, you know, uh, you've got Alvin Kamara there, but you like figuring out ways to keep Taysom Hill on the field um, by saying he's like your starting tight end or whatever. Like, that's not bad. 
I'm right. just saying, like, from a defensive coordinator standpoint, like, okay, all of a sudden, like, I've got a game plan yep. around Taysom being this, like, you know, crazy weird H-back type um, player. Like, that's that's not bad. Like, from a real-life perspective, I, I kind of think Sean Payton wouldn't mind doing that. Now that you put that in the universe, it's totally going to happen. <laughs> totally going to happen. I need Taysom Hill as a tight end. Like, <laughs> give, give me that designation just to add complete chaos to drafts. That would be amazing. Look, I said I embrace randomness in fantasy football. This would be like the pinnacle of randomness in fantasy football if this happened. Uh, all right, before I, I let you go, I would like to do some rapid fire questions. So I got three of them Let's here for you. First off, who's the greatest Cal athlete ever? By whatever by think, whatever metric you want to determine it. And the, by the way, this is for the people the people who don't know this like familiar trope. It's like I'm a, I went to Cal. I love Cal. I always talk about Cal. Um, but greatest Cal athlete, I think by the numbers, obviously it's gotta be Aaron Rodgers, just in terms of like what he's done in the NFL. Um, but I think my personal favorite is Marshawn Lynch, you know, like the beast quick run and everything. Like, um, just all the antics that he's done. Like he's given us so many like memorable things that we like still talk about, you know? Um, and, and he was a, by the way, he was a damn good player too, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, like those early Seattle teams, like it was not the Russ show. It was the Marshawn show, right? you know, like Marshawn carried them to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the, the, the two times they were there. So like, um, you know, you could say whatever, but like bottom line is like Marshawn was the focal point of that offense. So well, let's, let's not uh, he was the a damn in, good player. The days in Buffalo too, before he got to, yeah. uh, before he got to Seattle, he had some, some good years oh, yeah. with the bills out there too. Uh, he and did. Plus, I mean, th- those teams stunk, but I mean, yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was good. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, plus, you know, him ghost riding the, uh, the cart at the, the golf uh, cart. Yeah. The golf cart. <laughs> that'll be, that's legendary. Absolutely. Legendary. 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 Uh, all right. So you are a wrestling guy. You and Adam rank did a lot of good wrestling, you know, bits together. Uh, who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Ah, uh, this one's an easy one. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think he's one of he he actually in my mind is one of the two most important figures in pro wrestling history. Um, Hulk Hogan carried the sport for you know a good twenty years, but I've I've contended um, and I think it's pretty accurate that without Stone Cold Steve Austin, first of all, you would have no Rock. Okay, mm-hmm. and like Rock is like a megastar, international superstar right now. Mm-hmm. Without Stone Cold Steve Austin, you don't even have the WWE period mm-hmm. because. During that time, during the Monday Night Wars, like Nitro was crushing them in the ratings. The only thing that kept them going through it all uh, could have been HBK, Heartbreak Kitch on Michaels, but he was hurt, so he couldn't wrestle. Uh, And then Stone Cold Steve Austin was like the flag bearer of that. And like, I don't know. I don't know if you remember, but like in the late 90s, like who wasn't wearing an Austin 316 shirt, right? <laughs> right? Like those shirts were everywhere. People were like, I had, I had an Austin 316 shirt. Old ladies were stopping me in the street asking me like, okay, so what's the deal with Stone Cold? <laughs> like, what's his deal? Like, why is he popular? Why are you wearing that shirt? And I was just like, I, I don't know. But like old ladies on the street knew who Stone Cold Steve Austin was, right? So like, yeah, it was crazy, you know, and like he was the one thing that people tuned into for Monday Night Raw. Um, and he did that for year after year after year after year. Um, and I would say, like, honestly, if he wasn't there, the WWE probably folds. I, I don't think mm. they I just don't think they survive mm. um, that Nitro Blitz um, without Stone Cold. So I would say he's one of the two most, you know, important figures in pro wrestling history. 
Wow. Uh, interesting. With the other one, Hulk Hogan, maybe? Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I do remember when he left, when when Stone Cold left the WWE, uh, I had a roommate at the time who was a huge Steve, uh, Steve Austin fan. I just remember I came uh-huh. home from work every day for a week, and my roommate was just sitting on the couch, despondent, drinking beer. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, you got to get over this, man. I just can't have you sitting here like a lump know, on the yeah. couch like every yeah, single day exactly. when I come home from work. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> over, over a pro wrestler. Over a pro wrestler. I'm like, bro, let's go out and do something, because like this is just not going to get it done uh all right so then you you tweeted the other day about creed uh and defended (laughs) creed um this has become a recurring theme on the show we had matt okada on like a week or two ago and he talked about how much like he one of his favorite albums is the creed greatest hits album uh so i gotta ask you then like what is your favorite creed song (laughs) this ties in with the previous question for those folks who don't know but like um you are a secret fan of like Limp Biscuit and like um you know uh and Creed right if you followed pro wrestling in the late 90s early 2000s because they cut these promos like these video montages and like I don't know like they used Creed songs and they used like Limp Biscuit songs and like they were amazing like unbelievable promo videos man and like you as a result like love these songs like I know it sounds so ridiculous but like I still turn on Creed's My Sacrifice and I still think about like those 90 like eight, like late 90s early 2000 wrestling moments like I do you know um <laughs> And like, I don't know, like, yeah. So like my sacrifice by Creed is like, is still on my playlist. It's still a banger. <laughs> Every time it comes on, I still listen to it. Like I never skip my sacrifice on Creed. Like I just don't do it. Like, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it is silly and ridiculous, but like anyone who watched like that era of wrestling knows exactly what I'm talking about. Now I'm just, I'm imagining you pulling into the driveway with like your kid in the car, your kids in the car and like my sacrifice comes on. You're like, no, sorry, kids. We're going to sit here. We're going to sit here and your daddy's going to listen to the song until it's over. Right. Exactly. Man. It's oh, so crazy. Man. It's uh, so crazy. You know, James, I always love chatting with you. It's always fun uh, always. on or off the air. It's great. Like I guess you are, you're like the hardest working man in fantasy show business. What, oh, thanks, what, man. which number of things, how many different things are you doing? Where can people find all your stuff now? Uh, I'm, I'm making a really big push on YouTube. And so like, yeah, I've got like a bunch of little clips and stuff coming out pretty soon. Um, uh, my YouTube channel is growing, which is great. I'd love for people to follow me on there. Um, and that will be like the home for where you find all my, my fantasy football skits. If you don't know about all that stuff, like, you know, I, I did humble brag, I, not even a humble brag, just straight up brag. Like I did win a fantasy <laughs> award. Hell yeah. One of my skits. So it's cool. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. And so like, yeah, I'm going to be putting all my skits on there. I, I've got more, you know, pre-draft things. I've got things that I do with Matt Harmon on there too. And, um, and yeah, so like I'm trying to grow my YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash James If you want to find me there, obviously I'm pretty active on Twitter still. So that's cool. Um, all my handles are all James Deco. So if you mm-hmm. want to find me on any of the socials, that's where you can find me. But yeah, um, I'm doing that plus reception perception too. Like, yeah, um, I, I, yeah I've teamed up with Matt um, and we're, we've got his business up and going. Um, and man, there's just so much info on there, man. And, and, I, and I tell people this all the time. If you have reception perception and your league mates don't, you have an unbelievable 
unbelievable mm-hmm. advantage at the wide receiver position in fantasy football. So we will get you all sorted out. There's a lot of great info and, and we're building a little bit of a community there too on discord and all those things. So, uh, and on the YouTube channel. So yeah, man, um, receptionperception.com. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, I, I swear to you, it, it is a, it's a game changer. Uh, mm-hmm. once you start diving into those metrics. Absolutely. Go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, not only is it good stuff, but it's two of my favorite people uh, doing stuff together. So uh, be sure to go check that out. Uh, by the way, you know, the James D. Grow Twitter handle still exists. <laughs> I know. Uh, for those of you who don't know, know, James bought a plant and uh, we named it James D. Grow. Uh, and so there's a Twitter handle as such. It hasn't tweeted since 2017, but it it's, still exists. It was, the most, it was the most ridiculous thing in the whole world because I had a small pot uh, small potted. It wasn't plant. It was it's grass. Like grass, right? <laughs> it was just regular old grass <laughs> growing in this pot. And people said, "Oh, well, why do you have this thing?" I brought it into the office, mm-hmm. and like, there was not a single person who wasn't like petting it and like <laughs> getting relaxed, it touching this grass. It was, totally it was very calming. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> so people ask me like, "Why did I grow this grass?" Because I'm like, "Hey, listen." I love grass. And <laughs> when I touch the grass, I feel some kind of peace wash over me and it works. So I don't know. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. But the Twitter account's still there uh, you know, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. So uh, anyway, yeah, go check out Perfect. James on all his different platforms for us. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL fantasy football show. You know, the drill, tell two friends to tell two friends, rate review. And remember if it was really a nonstop flight, You wouldn't be able to get off. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. Get vaccinated. And we'll talk to you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.